the work environment was. I missed my previous one because they were very inclusive. So growing up, I've also, I mean, throughout my career journey, one key thing has always been to understand that. There is a very limitation for growth, you know, if you are a young person. Stuff. It's in the mountains somewhere. So we're having a nice conversation. Um, my name is Cassius. Um I've studied at Northwest University um, doing... Um, I've studied a lot of things at, uh, at NWU, but um, I'm currently working for the Department of um, Science and Innovation um, in, a res- in a research project that is hosted by Northwest University at Porsche campus. Yeah, so, yeah, my name is Cassius. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to be too much brief, but um, yeah, my name is Cassius. Okay, great. Um, let's go through to Daniel. Obviously, you've spoken already, but just give us an introduction of who you are, what you do, and where you're based. All right, so my name is Daniel. I work at Lombard Insurance with Peter, and I think Lilo as well, if I'm not mistaken. Lilo, thank you. <laughs> okay, anyway, yeah, so... Um, Fortunately enough, we went to the same. Hey, so I'm seeing a familiar face as well. <laughs> Another familiar face. Yeah, so we worked together, Lelo and Peter. Went to the same university as Peter. And uh, I mean, I'm a data management developer at Lombard Insurance. Yeah, so that's basically me. Okay. Um, let's have Tabang introduce yourself. Uh, Tabang, just tell us your name, what you do, and what you're doing. I thought this is not alphabetical. What's happening? Uh, <laughs> I, saw your, I saw your name first. <laughs> hey guys, uh, Tabang here. Uh, I'm based in Cape Town. Uh, I'm a business uh, analyst for investments. And yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Okay, let's have Lelo next. Did you say Lelo? Yes. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Lelo. Um, like Daniel and Peter Sage, I work with them at Lombard Insur- Insurance. <clears throat> I'm a I'm a marketing my prof- I, I'm a marketer. <laughs> I studied marketing, um, and my passion lies in entrepreneurship. So I also own a few businesses. Oh, and I'm based in Joburg, but I'm currently visiting my folks in Kimberley in the Northern Cape. Okay, great. Um, Interprovincial no traveling. Uh, let's have Nobutle next. Oh, hi, hi everybody. My name is Nobutle. Um, I also went to NW. Um, I am a project manager and business strategist. Um, I'm the founder of Profound Business Management as well as a director for Mahajani Partners Projects. Great. Um, I see Bessel. Obviously, I want to stick to the alphabetical order. Uh, Bethel, can you switch on your mic? Let's see if everything's working on your side. Uh, I'm assuming it's still setting up. Let's go to Teboho. Hi, everyone. Teboho uh, here. And I'm based in the East Strand of Gauteng. Um, I work for an FMCG company looking after some SADAC countries, and that's me. All right, great. 
uh, I'm assuming Bethel is still trying to set himself up. Um, but in the interim, I think um, most of you have told you about the topic at hand. Um, today, we're going to be talking about entanglement. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about, <laughs> about a topic about money. Uh, but I think the, the good thing about this topic is that it's not limited to any singular aspect. It's uh, quite a diverse and big, broad term. New um, Kuzaka, whatever you want to call it, um, the different terms. And I want to speak about it in context of different aspects. Um, as you are aware, all of us are Black here. Um, we all are working people also, um, entrepreneurs or uh, employees to some capacity. Um, and obviously, this aspect of money as Black young Black people is obviously an important topic to have. Um, obviously, I see Bethel is now set up. Um, can you switch on your mic, give everyone an introduction of who you are, what you do, and where you're based? Uh, thanks, thanks, Peter. Hi, guys. Uh, once more, my name is Betuel. I'm based here in the Val. Uh, I'm working at the uh, Houghton Department of Social Development. I'm a social worker by profession. I'm the activist in my own right. Thanks, Peter, for having me here once more. No problem at all. Um, okay. So I think we can just kick off with the discussion. Um, first of all, I just want to make sure does anyone have any questions before we start? So you see, I've covered all the groundwork. Uh, that seems like a no. Okay, great. Um, so obviously, as you all are aware, the topic is about money. Now, obviously, money can be described in different ways. Um, it's applicable to different ways. And obviously, I want to make sure that this topic is not limited to one thing. But maybe to kick off the discussion, obviously we are currently in a lockdown because of a pandemic. Um, the pandemic is obviously uh, affecting us in most importantly financially. Um, and obviously I don't want to start the topic on a very high end of discussing. I see Cassius is brought stock for, for the rest of the discussion. Okay. Cassius still um, has alcohol. He still has alcohol. <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we stocked up. Eh? This is this is also one of the points that you have to mention eh? in terms of money. Stocked up. Eh? <laughs> um, but just to kick off the discussion, let's start with the aspect of the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown. I want to go through everyone and understand your context of how you understand the pandemic and how it impacts you financially. Obviously, I will try to avoid having it be a discussion in terms of your personal figures or what your personal life but i just want to have a broad discussion about how exactly you feel about the issue about the pandemic and how it's affecting your pockets um obviously this is a broad conversation so i don't want to limit it to one particular thing and we're going to go through different other areas and we discuss money obviously so obviously i'm just going to pick people randomly obviously we allow people interject just make sure you use the zoom icons to interrupt or interject as we go along um, as you know, we are live streaming, but also we are recording this discussion instead of going to the podcast. Um, let me start with Tabang. Uh, you are based in Cape Town, which was initially the most infected um, province at once. Um, how exactly has the, the pandemic affected you on a personal capacity in your life and from, in terms of money? Let's start there. Hey, Cape Town. We used to be Wuhan. I don't know if there was a ceremony to transfer that title to Jersey. I don't know about that. Uh, for us, man, it's been hectic. 
in a sense of like we went to full lockdown uh, when there was a, like a rise of infections and stuff. Uh, but in terms of money, most companies kept on operating uh, except the retail sector. That's where like they were hit the most because uh, like clothing stores and stuff, like they had to like shut down. And so that thing, you also like sense it from people that you, that you know, like your friends or people that they know. Because I read like recently that uh, in South Africa, 3 million people lost their jobs. Like that's a staggering figure, man. I mean, that's quite a lot. So yeah, but fortunately from our side, uh, we are not affected much because we were able to take, like we were able to work from home. So I think that works uh, quite well. But uh, you also have to like, uh, like feel for people who lost their jobs. So like, you know, man, you couldn't do things that you normally used to do because you always have to like think too much about where you spend your money. So that's the most important thing because you never know if you want to get salary cuts or if you might also lose your job. Uh, so that's something that you need to consider. Like the emergency funds, are they proper? If you need to delay some things that you wanted to do, road trips and stuff. So that's how we got affected. Like you had to like adjust to the new norm because you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know how your income stream is going to keep working for you. So yeah, it's just one of those, just having to adjust to the new norm and, and be, being considerate of other people because you can't just turn up while other people are not doing as well. So it's, it's yeah, it was stressful for everyone. Um, Lelo, yeah. in your capacity, what's been your experience so far? Um, so I think very similar to Tabang, because we've been able to work from home, and no one at the organization that we work for has lost their jobs. So financially, um, not much change in the aspect of income that comes in on a monthly basis. Um, but I have, <laughs> I have witnessed um, a few new spending habits that I attribute to the pandemic. I think, <laughs> yeah, my budget has, uh, I've had to readjust a couple of things because of the pandemic. I spend a lot more on certain things than I did before. Um, but yeah. It took that functionality. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not, not a lot has changed in terms of income and um, impact because my folks are also earning as they did. Um, so nothing too hectic on my end. Okay. Precious? Um, on your side, obviously, you are based in the Northwest. Um, what is your experience so far financially? Um, how is your side of the world being impacted? Switch on your mic. Is it fine now? It's fine. Uh, okay. Um, uh, personally, I have not... Um, I would say that um, the lockdown has not um, affected me negatively because um, I've been working from home, but then with the full salary, so um, it has not affected me in that sense. But um, I've been spending quite a lot as opposed to when I'm in, on, on campus because I don't know, but I've been spending quite a lot um, as opposed to when I'm on campus because on when I'm at campus, uh, I don't spend quite a lot, just a lunch, but when I'm here at home, 
I think when it comes to calls, I've been spending quite a lot when I'm here at home because maybe it's it's because I eat a lot. Hence, I gain this weight. Peter, you know me who I am. So like now, uh, but um, generally, yeah, everything has been good. But um, but holistically, yeah, I also sympathize with those people who lost their job. And now I think I think it's a question of um, maybe the government must try to actually try to start, to, to strike the balance between um, opening economy and also also working on on, on prevention measures. But um, honestly speaking, some of the people, especially in retails, they're, they're not making money, so they're forced to close. So it, it does have uh, the dire impacts on other people. But um, I will say I'm indirectly impacted, but for now, personally, I'm still fine. Yes. Uh, good. I mean, one of the part of this extended discussion was obviously the discussion about life versus the economy. And that's obviously going to be something we have to discuss as well. Um, but let's just get through the last few people. Nobutle, on your side, I mean, how has this pandemic affected you? financially most importantly um look uh, it's been it's been quite a a challenge especially for entrepreneurs um i know we've uh, so i did mention that i was doing business strategy and project management but okay that's been fine um i've lost a few clients i've got a few as well so there's just been a balance in between we're able to survive but the hardest knock for us is that we've we've run a, a family restaurant for longer than i've been alive um, and the impact has hit us so hard that we're still trying to see if we can still sustain and open after this thing is over. So um, in, in that regard, it's, it's hit me on one side. On the other side, we've been able to benefit. Um, personally, I know people that, that have lost their jobs, so it's, it's been quite a huge blow. Um, but yeah, you know, we're surviving. Um, we're still able to make ends meet. Um, I'm just really glad. Yesterday I was just speaking to somebody and saying, I almost made a financial decision that would have probably suffocated uh, all of my businesses. But fortunately, I didn't make that decision. So yeah, we, we're surviving for now. First of all, I know you work in the, in the public sector. So obviously, you're obviously different from people working on the corporate side. In the public sector, how are you affected in your space, also financially? I don't know why you are saying obviously as if because <laughs> it gives certainty to say what if <laughs> yeah no um uh, I see your industry for see you are very well <laughs> anyway Peter uh yeah as you know in public sector we have been receiving our salaries full salaries even during uh, the lockdown. Uh, many professionals or people who are working for, for government receiving their income, even if they are not actually working from home, like uh, my colleagues there who are in the private sector, they are working at home. Um, but it's a different situation uh, in the public sector. I don't want to dwell on that uh, before I, I get attacked because I once had this discussion whether is it fair for the public servants to get their full salaries, even though they are not working, you understand? Uh, and 
it renders people uh, useless. You understand? Because if you get a salary, you get a salary of the work done that you you, you have done. But uh, it's a topic for another day. Uh, on my side, uh, yeah, I'm not affected, Peter. Uh, my my financial situation has been the same. And, uh, without lockdown, before lockdown, it have been it have been the same, my brother. Okay, and then Taboko obviously lost your experience so far. Um, it's well. First of all, I think. Uh, Okay, wait, let me just look at this. Okay, you went through pretty much everyone. But I think we are very blessed, first and foremost, uh, to be in the situation that we are in um, during this time whereby, yes, we may see it uh, or we may see the impact and uh, feeling it, yes, but not to the extent as um, other people would. Um, so I will just uh, mention a maybe two of my experiences. So I'm also uh, in the uh, restaurant industry, not a participant, but uh, within the FMCG, that's uh, what we also, we, we supplied the restaurant industry. And that has been crazy in terms of uh, the number of restaurants that have closed down, as well as the number of lodges, uh, because tourism is also on the low. Uh, no one is moving around and, and all the rest, uh, but also closer to home, uh, would be, so I, I still live with, with my parents, but uh, there's back rooms whereby there's a lady who actually worked at the at the airport and she's now lost her job. And she lost her job just after um, getting her kid from KZN because the kid was growing up in KZN. She came up to find some work and just as things were starting to look up and then COVID hit, She's now back at home. Well, she's she, she, she's uh, unemployed and just trying to, to make means. And it's not easy because the job opportunities, or if I can put it as your conventional or your general job opportunities, um, aren't as available as they would be pre-COVID, right? Uh, but also on the flip side, what I have noticed is from a hood perspective, the, the if I can still call it restaurants, those are booming uh, from a hood perspective, which I think is also a good thing. Wherever there is, um, uh, what, darkness, uh, the light will shine bright, I guess. Uh, therefore, th those are the silver linings in which I am foreseeing. But also, I think this this opens up an opportunity on how we can actually use whatever means uh, of either monetary or resources that uh, we have to see how uh, we can better ourselves and how we can actually move to the next level in terms of financial security. Because I think if there's one thing uh, that we have learned is, are you financially secure? You know, and I, I don't know, but I, I know I can't answer that question <laughs> at this moment. However, but yeah, that's 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 what I've uh, been able to observe as well as experience uh, on one side. Okay. Now, I think this gives subway to the discussion about life versus the economy. And I think no one can disagree that this pandemic has affected a lot of poor people and obviously by default of South Africa most poor people are going to be by default be black in majority and 
this comes the discussion about life or the economy. And obviously, this has been a continuous issue that is still being discussed. And obviously, the government still has to comprehend with this issue. Now, I obviously want to see what exactly before we go into other issues, because obviously, I don't want to dwell on COVID-19. Um, but I just want to understand, in your own personal capacity, what what is your take on the whole issue between balancing life and also the ability to ensure that we still have a sustainable growing economy, which was already impacted by historic economic lack of growth? Um, let's just go through everyone. Let me start with uh, Nobutle. Obviously, you are an entrepreneur. Uh, if obviously, if you were in a different type of industry as an entrepreneur, you would be impacted differently. Um, with the continuous issue of the pandemic, cases are increasing, um, lockdown doesn't seem to be reversed. Do you feel that the debate should be warranted between life and the economy? And what's your take on that? i just switch on your mic. I'm sorry. So, look, for me, it's always been um, as much as, as we are governed, as, as much as um, the, resp the responsibility lies um, with the people that govern us. I think the issue isn't how we're governed, right? It, it isn't how, and I'm speaking about the spreading. Um, I feel that we would have still been able to pick up the economy if the ignorance was not as high as it is. As well. so you, you deal with um, a population who maybe 30% understands and takes um, the pandemic seriously, and you've got a 70% that still thinks life is as it is and should continue. Um, so it... Yes, we've been, yes, we've, I mean, look at the alcohol. I'll, I'll speak about the alcohol. Um, you open sales and exactly what you've been avoiding and telling people about happens, right? So it's, it's not a matter, as much as we can try to, to level against life and economy, yes, we're saying lives are more important than making money. But now you've got people that are still standing on the on the side and are saying, okay, I'm sitting in my house. My job doesn't allow me to sit in front of a laptop. I need to make a living, right? I need to go stand in the street and then I'm prone to disease. I'm prone to this thing that's coming to me. Um, so you're fighting. A lot of people are saying that people that understand um, the pandemic and the seriousness are people that are that are privileged or people that are still able to say, I've got my laptop, I'm still able to work. But then what happens with people who say, do I die out of hunger or do I die from COVID? Now, the mentality for people is saying, I'd rather get COVID and hopefully recover than not yeah. being able to feed myself and my kids. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? So I don't think the battle is, is the fact that the government is fighting or, or the people that are ruling us are fighting between life and economy. It's a matter of the people and what works for the people. As much as we can say, let's put people under lockdown, let's get people in the houses. For me, everybody has that personal thing of saying, I can still lock myself in. I can still work from wherever I am. I can still make the money. But there's somebody who's saying, I'd rather get into that full pack taxi because at the end of the day, I need to feed myself. That's so, right. um, 
So I don't think it's a, it's a thin line between life and economy. It's it's a personal choice, and unfortunately, even if it's a personal choice, we other people are affected. I mean, I get annoyed at the fact that sometimes you sitting at home and somebody else is not. You know, it puts you at risk. But but thinking beyond that, I think we need to condition ourselves to always think about the next person, basically. Yeah. Sabar, in your in your view, do you defer? Do you do you agree? Um, what's your take on the whole issue between um, a country where a lot of people don't have the privilege of working at home with Wi-Fi, yet alone having a laptop? Um, what's your take between people saying let's go back to work? All of us, economy needs we need the economy more than we need to worry about a virus. What's your take on that? Uh, from my side, I share the same uh, sentiment as Noble share. At the end of the day, it's still the personal uh, decision. Because like, uh, to understand this better, you have to put yourself in the shoes of someone who doesn't have uh, the sort of work that you do, like who has to like, go outside, has to catch a taxi that is packed and do that. Because sometimes we tend to speak from a position of privilege, and that's a dangerous mentality to be in. You know? So I think... Uh, it is a personal choice, but we just have to do whatever we can to ensure that we are safe. So even if I still have to go out at the end of the day, like to get to my to my work, I just need to ensure that I do keep safe. Uh, I do follow the restrictions, uh, the six feet apart thing, and I just maintain the social distancing. Because I don't know like which words, like dying from COVID or from hunger. Like it's really difficult question to answer because we all battling different scenarios. You don't know what the other person is going through. So it is important before you speak that you do check your privilege. Let's, let's, I see Daniel raise his hand. Obviously, I think he wants to. Yeah, so I just want to say that, uh, like the times that we're in, this is, this is not something that everybody knows the answer to. So I think we, we're literally throwing our eggs into like a massive basket trying to pick the right one and all that we're doing. So because I, I remember I was attending um, uh, the SIM feedback meeting where like we were, we were getting addressed and then there was a comment passed on saying that um, well, the president does not know the impact that like locking down the country has on small businesses because he's used to having like big businesses because he's making money off from his own entrepreneurship that he has on the side. And, and I think for, for, for me to, everybody has their own opinion on the decision made currently just to literally try and balance the economy and, and the lives of people. And I think, I don't feel like there's, there's actually a right way or, or the right thing to do. But I think what we're trying to understand is, are we moving the right direction? But the problem is, even if we say we're moving forward, is it the right direction? Is it the wrong direction? Because now if you think of opening the economy, like the restaurants now are, are supposed to operate, but you're not supposed to have social visits to your family members. But at the end of the day, you can actually go to a restaurant, sit down, and you know restaurants are actually for social uh, purposes. You go to a restaurant for social purposes. I mean, we could probably have had this meeting in a restaurant somewhere. <laughs> And it would have been permitted. But, and then you understand, like, if, if they closed down restaurants, I mean, probably more people have lost their jobs continuing forward. So I, I just feel like there's, 
there's so many um, things that we can say they're doing right and so many things that we can say they're doing wrong. And I, I feel like we must just try and understand that nobody has the right answers right now. So whatever we do, we're trying to mitigate the worst case scenario right now. Okay. Um, okay. Obviously, I see Taboko raises and I think after Taboko, I'll allow one more person on this issue about COVID. Then we can go to other issues. Yeah, yeah. No, I just... I I just wanted to agree with uh, Nobushe and Daniel. Uh, it's tough. It is tough. There is no balance because there's this peak that we need to reach and we can't keep the economy uh, locked down till such a time because then that's further uh, going to eradicate uh, the, 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 the economy. Therefore, it's the best immune system must win. That's 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 my view on this, guys. The best immune system must win, but still, and uh, with saying that, keeping um, the, the social distancing and doing what needs to be done to protect oneself and to also protect others. Other than that, may the best immune system win. Cassius, <laughs> um, I see you raised your hand. Um, I'm assuming you have a strong immune system, and you and also. <laughs> Or do you disagree? Uh, no, Peter, I would say, um, economically speaking, I think it is very much unsustainable to keep um, the hard lockdown because um, I think the government has to come up with a way to strike the balance between um, resuming operations and also um, coming up with the, uh, the prevention measures. Because um, honestly speaking, just if you can recall, just before the lockdown, the country was already on recession. So if now we are going to keep the hard lockdown, it simply means that we are going to move from recession to depression. And when we are in the depression, it simply means that we are going to um, experience the massive loss, job losses. And that's what, what we don't need that because currently we have the high unemployment rate in this country. So we, we, we cannot, we, we cannot. So... There has to be equilibrium between the um, opening the economy and also coming up with the, the prevention measures. And um, I can, I just want to share this scenario. Um, there is this occupation, and there are people that, that are fighting to say no, they don't want to work because of the of the reason that they mentioned to say because we don't want to work because of one, two, or three. Maram, I can tell you, um, some of the people we have to be honest. They don't contact COVID at the workplace. Most of the people have been having parties, they've been hosting all those type of things in a close proximity, hence they contact the COVID. But just because they're in a certain occupation, okay, let me just be frank. Okay, I'm speaking about the teachers. They don't want to go to work because they will contact COVID. But now as I'm speaking to you, some of them, they're having a house party somewhere. So now they're trying to create an impression that, you know, they're going to contact COVID at work. So that's why they're fighting that they don't want to go to work, but instead they want to end while they're sitting at home. So now the point that I'm trying to make is that most of the people, they actually contact COVID because of their social gathering. Sometimes it's not even at work to say maybe we're exposed to COVID because now if you were to compare a teacher and a nurse, like who's more likely to be exposed to COVID? I would say it's a nurse because like you work with the people in a close proximity because you have to touch them. But as a teacher, you don't have to touch the learners. Like, but now they don't want to go to work citing such reasons. So 
at the very same time, I'll even say to them, if they don't want to go to work, why don't you cut their salaries and try to channel it to COVID-19? To COVID maybe we can also, within the education, how about maybe we come up with other programs while they don't want to go to work and we cut it up, maybe their salary by 50%, then we channel to other things um, supporting the COVID. And we also, because for me, it doesn't make sense, but um, holistically, I will say we don't want to the hard lockdown because um, it's going to affect the whole lot of people. I think it's Lelo or Nobu, the one who's owning the restaurant. Um, I think she can actually tell you that it's a it's a hassle to get that relief fund for a restaurant. Even if you get it, it's not even adequate. It's not the money that you can even, the profit is not even the money that you can make per month or something like that. But most of the people have been complaining that they're in business, that um, that relief fund, it's, it's nothing to what they're making monthly. So um, that will be my submission. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Cassius. I think um, I think we can basically try conclude on the issue of the pandemic. And obviously, I think maybe one thing maybe all of us maybe have a consensus on is that this is not exactly an easy answer to say economy is important or life is important. It's a very complex thing which has to be balanced. And obviously, in some capacity, either one of the two will take a loss. And I think all of us can agree upon that, right? Um, so I think now, let me move the discussion to more of a broader sense. Now, all of us are young black people. None of us are above the age of 35. Um, all of us have a sense of income in some capacity. Um, and there's always been the issue about generational wealth, which has always been a concern, uh, especially for me when I think about the fact I don't come from a rich family. I don't have... My parents don't have a trust fund waiting for me um, when I want to access it or something. And I doubt anyone, any one of us have, unless there is someone who has. Um, and there's no bias there. But um, the, the issue about money when it comes to Black people is obviously a concern. Um, how we make money, how we sustain money. And I was looking at certain data about how we spend money, for example. And maybe I can start the question there. Is that... I saw a research that showed that currently right now in South Africa, uh, our consumer debt um, is about two, about three trillion rand. And that's a lot of money that is related to debt from loans, car repayments, um, basically debt in its entirety, clothing accounts and so forth. And obviously, I, th I think it's important for us to discuss what exactly is, is our relationship when it comes to debt and spending because obviously there is some kind of a social and cultural aspect, you know, when, for example, if you grow up poor and you get your first job, um, there is some expectation for you to fulfill certain responsibilities. But at the same time, you also want to fulfill your own personal capacity of enjoying your youth. You want to get yourself a car, move into a nice neighborhood and so forth. Um, I see Taboko has raised his hand and I want to see what's yeah. your take on no, I, I I just wanted to say, don't, don't be scared to say black text, Baba. <laughs> don't be scared. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah, black text is definitely one of the aspects. Um. So let me have to go for Asi Brian also. Well, he's raised his hand or clapped, but let me have to go for start with the topic. Um. What's your relationship with black text? Obviously, you are working. You're probably the first or second generation person earning a good income or even just the income basically i'm not even sure if you're the first person to have a higher a degree in your family or not 
and there's certain expectations that are expected from you from your community but you also have your own personal desires that you want to do with your own income so uh, what is your take on the whole issue regarding black tax and your own personal financing of your own desires yeah okay uh i actually wanted to firstly touch on uh what you mentioned around uh debt um, and those numbers are actually increasing. I was also listening uh, over the radio, though, speaking about uh, consumer debt has been increasing in the past couple of months, especially from COVID. People are borrowing uh, from families. People are borrowing from Abu Mashonisa, um, as well as the conventional uh, banks. But what I wanted to, to, to mention there is, I think it, it, the, the issue also does stem from uh, back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean uh, pre-democracy, because we were only limited uh, to owning certain uh, things um, as uh, people of color. Versus uh, in the democratic South Africa, it's pretty much open. Therefore, if I know that my grandfather, my, gra- my great-grandfather and my father uh, never had a car or never even owned property, the only property that they own was via the government, um, which is an RTP, you know, that's probably the one asset that you would have within the family. So if I'm going to be either the first one or the second one to get a job, I'm definitely going to buy a car because, I mean, we never had that. You know, so I, I'm just thinking of the mentality that also comes with the history that us um, people of color have also been through. But over the, the, the generations, and by that I mean us uh, on, on this call, I think we have noticed that uh, money should be used in a particular way to uh, further not just only develop us, but uh, those around us as well. So uh, that's that's where I'm just going to leave it. I just wanted to touch on that. Maybe I know uh, Bethwell, uh, uh, as as a Anna, he said he's a he's a politician uh, in his personal capacity. Maybe he can also further expand on 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 the the whole history um, influencing today's decisions in terms of uh, what we do when we get that first job. Um, but before Bertolt chips in, let me maybe have Lelo chip in on this first. Obviously, let's allow for everyone else to speak. Yeah. Um, so my personal relationship with money is boring in a sense that I save and I invest and, you know, I've got an RA. <laughs> and I think it's, I can attribute that to the traumas that I experienced with my, my mom specifically even my dad, they've always had somewhat an unhealthy relationship with money. Um, I remember growing up, phone calls my mom used to get from your Fushinis and your Itkises. Um, and it even used to be a joke. And we took it so, it was so lighthearted in the sense that we'd make a joke of it. Like we'd know her phone is ringing and we'd know that dead collectors are calling for their money. And from that experience, I just remember promising myself that I, I never want to run from everyone, from anyone because of money in my life. And I've always stayed um, steered clear of, of debt. Um, I currently don't have a car because I'm saving to buy one. 
trust and believe it will be second hand. <laughs> I don't like I paid off my my student loans so fast. Um, so my relationship with money, I think I can attribute a lot of the aspects to my experiences growing up and seeing um, how family members have have treated money and just making a, a decision that I don't want my life to go in the same direction. Um, yeah, so boring in, in that sense. Okay, that's all. Um, obviously, someone recommended you to speak. Um, you're a politician, according to Tabo. So, comrade, please advise us. <laughs> yeah, no, just to, to correct the war. I'm saying, I said I'm an activist, and I think Keshas and yourself can, can attest to that. Uh, and many of times, I don't want to be inclined to a certain uh, political ideology and thinking. You know, I prefer being an activist. Yeah, in my own right, that's what I said. Uh, sure, but just to weigh in uh, in this discussion, uh, first and foremost, I want to say I don't believe in the notion of black tax. I don't believe in that. Uh, uh, and one thing that I have to point out is that in, in our society, and even if we can read uh, any literature about money, or, or finances, you read uh, the books that were written by Robert Kusaki, and you, 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 you can understand that financial literacy is something that is not there in our systems. You understand from, 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 from primary schooling, even with our families, even when you start to get a job, is not there, financial literacy. You you experience this thing, and these things when you you start to sink in into into depths. That's one thing that we need to look into. And there is so much social pressure. Sometimes it's not a black text. There's so much social pressure that when you start to get your first job, you need to have a car. You understand? There is that. I unnecessary unnecessary pressure, but let me narrow it to my personal experience. Uh, you you spoke about the figures here, and also Tebo attested to that that he was listening to a radio. I must say I'm one of those people who are in debt, highly in debt. I'm not ashamed about that one, and for the following reasons. And many times I used to say, I, I, I grew up without a home. And first thing that I did when I started to work, I built a house for my parents. Uh, 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 that is the major one, you understand? But now it's something that I told myself a personal choice, like Nobutra said, everything is about a choice that you take, you understand? I, I took a personal vow to say, my children will never experience the same upbringing that I have experienced, you understand? That is a major one. And the second one is about uh, financial uh, uh, academic loans, you understand, age loans and everything. The sad reality about us as black people is that when we get money, sometimes beside 
trying to live luxury and everything is not enough. And many people will tell you it will never be enough. You understand? Uh, because there is high demand, but the supply is, is very little. You understand? Uh, I think the way the system it is, and as we are affected as black people, the way the system it is, it is hand to mouth. You understand? Hand to mouth. You look at these people also who are getting uh, social security uh, grants. Uh, the first thing that they get money, when they get money, they are in the shops, having something to eat and everything. So we have to sometimes be mindful of the history that we inherited as black people. Sometimes it's not like we are reckless about money. But if I don't have a place to stay, that is a basic need, you understand? A shelter is a basic need, and you don't have that. And with the little that you have, like my sister says, she's, she's, she's not having a car. And a car, we can debate now, is a need as well, you understand? But you try to cover all these basic needs, but your salary cannot afford you to have such things in cash, you understand? So as black people, we inherited a very painful and suffering way of living, and we are still suffering today, you understand? And as black people, especially as young people, those are some of the things that we need to be mindful of, and they have to guide us, not just because we have bought a car, I have to buy a car, you understand? Because our situations are not are not the same. Yeah, let me pose the uh, uh, Peter. Okay. Um, thank you, Bethel. Uh, Brian, you haven't spoken so far. Um, let's probably introduce you here. Obviously, first of all, just give us your name, where you're based, and what you do as a profession. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, I'm Brian. So what I do is that I'm an IT guy. I work at TFG for Shini head office. I'm based in Cape Town. So in terms of my profession, as I said, IT, but mainly like developing of websites and mobile applications. Now, just to add on to what everyone else said, in terms of what Lelo said, I do agree with you in terms of like not having debt and so on. That is actually like a good strategy to have, but sometimes you kind of like pushed in a circumstance which you don't actually account for. What I mean is, I can give you a situation what I had actually. So for the past couple of years, I've been using the train system to go home and go to work, right? Last year, while I was on the train, I was actually robbed. So they wanted to take my phone. So after a while, I was like, nah, you know what, no? This thing of almost being robbed and always being late for work is not going to be on, right? So rather than always having excuses to tell my boss, guys, sorry, I'm late and all that, I said, let me invest in a car. It wasn't only just for me as, as well. Because also last year, I recently got engaged. So I was also taking my fiance to go and resize a ring. We also got marked again, just trying to go somewhere. So Cape Town, as you can see, it's a bit unsafe. So you kind of get like forced into that situation of let me buy a car, which then gives you that bit of debt. So buying a car after saving, that is a good idea. But as Peter said, basically the issue that we have as black people is sometimes we, it's not really a generational wealth what we don't have, but it's more like generational debt. Reason being is our parents or those before us didn't have certain items, right? 
So once we get to a certain position, we try and actually like provide for them. Going like, okay, dude, you've helped me so much. You've uh, provided for me shelter, schooling, food, and all that. Let me also provide for you. Sometimes it's hard for us as people to actually say, sorry, guys, but uh, I can't really give you money now at this point in time. Can I maybe do this later on? Because currently I also have my own stuff that I have to also fulfill. So we're trying to fulfill our own type of goals and objectives, which then leads us to a bit more debt. Because now we're like, ah, you know what, now? Let me like build a house for my mom. Cool, you're building it for your mom, but now you're a bit stressed out in terms of like finances and so on. Trying to also balance it in terms of what you want to have as well at your place. So that kind of like is a bit of an issue. I'll say like we, we probably can like break out of this thing of generational debt by actually trying to be a bit more smarter in it. Like how you're saying in terms of saving wise. Even though it's like just 10 rands a month or something like that, just save something small. Then later on, when you obviously give it to your kids or their kids, right? It's obviously a bit more. It's going to take time, but it's better to take time than have it continue again and again and again. Keep on passing to the next generation, the next generation. Again, just to add to one of the other points what you guys raised as well, in terms of like, if someone has a car, I also want to get a car. We cannot compete with each other. That's totally unrealistic. If someone has a car, good for them. They have a car. If you can get a secondhand car, that's also awesome. It's still a car. You don't have to get something fancy. You don't have to show off to anyone. Just be you. The problem that we have, I don't know if it's like a black thing or not, because I would say also you can see like some colored people also do the same. We try and like impress others. So would other buy like fancy shoes, fancy vehicles, fancy gadgets and stuff. But if you actually look at your living conditions, it's absolutely ridiculous. You're like, dude, your house doesn't look right, but yet you have all these fancy items. So that's one of the issues that we have. We just have to try and break out of that mentality and see like, cool, guys, let's actually sit down, discuss like what can we actually save? Even if it's small, as I said, in the long run, it's going to benefit our future generation. Even though if it doesn't benefit us, at least try to make that sacrifice to actually help the next generation going forward. That's what I have to say for that topic. Okay, let me have... Uh, other people also chip in on the topic obviously and maybe let me extend it with another question obviously as you speak about generational wealth uh, most of us here come from either disadvantaged backgrounds or middle class families um, you didn't inherit a house or something as you were getting into an adulthood or anything like that um, my question is obviously when you start after you finish your degree you start working there's obviously the issue, I mean, when you start applying for jobs, obviously, there's the question about balancing between your career desires and income. So, for example, you see a job post, it's something you don't want to do, but the income is attractive. Uh, it's a field that you're not really interested in, you have other desires, whether it's your personal, you want to become an entrepreneur, you want to become a DJ or whatever, but then there's the issue of you need money. And I want to see what exactly is your view on the whole issue about, you know, most of us are pressured to make that kind of compromise. Um, Cassius, you raised your hand. What is your view so far? No, Peter, I will say, um, I think majority of us, um, are particularly black people, um, we do the things that we don't want to do because of the income. Because you will find that uh, most of us, in your one salary, you can actually support more than 10 people. I'm speaking about your cousins, your uncles, and everyone else is actually depending on your salary. 
as opposed to other races because like we normally have such discussions with my colleagues at work. They'll tell you, no, I'm white. So I, I, I don't have to support anyone. My salary is my salary. But when it comes to us, like you, you support a whole lot of people. So in the process, you end up doing the things that you want, the, the things that you don't want to do. I'll make an example of the occupation, I think in education. Most of the people who study education, they will tell you, okay, Cheshire's, I'm just studying education because I know afterwards the job security is there. I'm just going to work and, and, and be able to provide for other people. So I think it's a trend that has been going. So in the, in the process, you end up um, being in debt because you have a lot of things. For instance, sometimes you start by building your parents' house. And after that, you have to build your own house. And after that, you have to maintain your own lifestyle and type of things. So sometimes that's why we find most of the people that are in debt. Some of the people, it's invertible, but some of the people, they, they, they put themselves in debt because maybe because of the societal pressure, they want to fit in, in in certain things, but you can actually see, you know. But yeah, I will say most of the people, we support a whole lot of people, Peter. You know, at some point I was not working and I will come to you, Peter, please give me 200. So in that process, you're also supporting your friends. It's not only your family. So then I'm saying there is a little salary that you have to support a whole lot of people with it. Um, some of the people, they became smart with it. Some of the people, unfortunately, they cannot be smart with it. Hence, they find themselves in debts and, and, and things like that. But some of the people, it's not like they want to see themselves in that situation. But um, unfortunately, that's why they see themselves. But like I think it's Lelo who said he still has to pay the the he just finished paying the the student loan and things like that. Some of us were still paying as far as and after the SFAS, you still have to. So I will say, you know, I think it was I think it was FNB last year. I'm not so sure. They conducted the study and they discovered that most of the people in this country actually on the fourth or the fifth, they don't have salaries anymore, especially those who are getting paid from the 20th, the 25th. And so, and again, the I think in this country there's no money because I think the average salary in this country is 12.5. Last time they conducted the study, I don't know about now. So you can see from that 12.5, if, if you have to support maybe. For instance, let's say you are in Mitra and you're in that 12.5, then you can just imagine how you're going to survive. So, yeah, that will be my that will be my take. I just want to pause for this so that I can give other people the space to also articulate them. Yeah. you raised your hands. Um, okay. Um. So I think the first thing that that we would need to to look at is the fact that for most of black kids, um. There's a lot of firsts that happen with our generation, right? Um, things that didn't happen with with the previous generation, our parents and our great our, our grandparents. And when I mean when I say first, I mean that um, you'll find that maybe you've never owned a house or a bedroom, you've you've never been in a car, um, you've never. There's some people who say they've never been to McDonald's, they've never gone to fast food. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of firsts. So you're battling between satisfying the first of childhood that you couldn't meet and also living in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, trying to live a life that you're supposed to be living. Whereas a person who grew up having stuff, there's been a gradual experience as you grow. So you find that you grew up in a proper house, there was a bedroom, you know, there was there was a shower, there was all these things, you have been taken to school. So there's a lot of things that you experienced in your childhood. 
Whereas with us, the moment you graduate and you get a job, you're thinking, okay, I need to go back and experience everything that I did not experience in my childhood and still also live the adult life that I, that I, that I desire. So there isn't enough money or time even in our lifetime, unless if um, great success happens, which happens for some people. But the consensual way of doing things, we feel like there isn't enough time, enough resources to live our first and still live the adult life that we want to live. And I was having this discussion with somebody to say that even when we go into jobs, um, we get a lot of people, you know, there's, there's more people of our youth that are taking risks, that are doing things. But the moment you get into a job, you know, black people are able to suck up the nonsense that happens to them in corporate because you're thinking about the, the, the amount of people that are depending on you. Um, and even when it comes to entrepreneurship and, and our white counterparts are a lot more easier at taking risks because they don't have any dependencies. Whereas with us, you're battling between reaching your dreams and taking the risks and still being able to feed other people and still able to house other people and still having um, other siblings that need to go to school. I mean, with me, the experience was when I left varsity, I knew for sure I didn't want to be an employee. And I had to then explain it to my black parents who took me to school, wanting me to get a job so that I could feed the household. Um, and it was such a war and a struggle for me to be able to be rebellious enough. And there isn't, in, there isn't much of us who can say, I'm not going to do what they're saying, because you see the struggle. You see why they invested in an education. And it's so difficult to explain to a black parent a dream that is too far-fetched from what they see. Because with our parents, the ultimate dream is that I look nice in a suit, I walk into an office, and I make a salary every month. They're not thinking about me saying, I would like to actually own the empire I'm going to work in. So there's just so many firsts even with our generation, yes, there are our counterparts whose parents were successful enough and they can take the risks and they can reach the sky, but there's still so many of us who still have to battle with that. We still have to struggle with the fact that I still need to go through my first. I still need to then live my adulthood. So we live an average life that's filled with debt because we're trying to um, um, satisfy both, I guess. Thank you, Nobutle. Um, let me also try have others also participate before I move to the next topic. Maybe I have two more people uh, joining on this topic. Then obviously we can move to the other aspect of the issue about money. Uh, I know Tabang and Daniel haven't spoken much um, since the COVID discussion. Um, let me start with Tabang, then we can end with Daniel. Um, Tabang. In your capacity, obviously, when it comes to money, there's the issue about peer pressure, obviously. Um, you went to varsity, you saw your friends. So you, I mean, you go to class and you see some of your friends are driving nice cars, cars that even your own parents maybe can't even afford. Um, you will start working, your colleagues also probably moving upper class or improving their lives. You're probably only starting off. You're at the beginning of the race and someone is probably finishing off. In terms of peer pressure, what is your experience when it comes to issues of money and, you know, being a young person who's trying to grow his, his life in his own capacity? Does peer pressure affect you in any capacity? Uh, thanks, Peter. Uh, I think from my side, I was uh, fortunate in a sense that I had sort of like, um, like 
as a young kid, I, I like speaking to like adults and learning from their mistakes and stuff. So from that, I was able to come across things like uh, the Robert Kiyosaki book. I think Bethel mentioned it. So I read that book while I was at a young age, I think before I even started working. So that was sort of, uh, I put me on a journey of financial literacy before I even had money. So that was uh, a great deal for me. So with that said, uh, peer pressure, like I never really experienced that because I generally don't give a shit, you know, like, <laughs> like I always try to make sure that I'm set, like my parents are happy, I'm happy and I don't know, maybe it's because I never judged people by their accomplishments and related that to what I am. Like uh, I always celebrated other people's successes and stuff. And I always knew that my time will come and it definitely does come. So like peer pressure is never something that I really encountered because of that. And it also helps if your friends are not assholes about it. So I guess that's one of the big things that helps as well. And uh, I wanted to add something about the relationship with money. So this is a topic that is really like personal from my side, uh, based on the profession that I, I am in, because you tend to see people taking wrong financial decisions just to satisfy this fantasy, where else they cannot be able to deal with the repercussions of it. Uh, for example, the interest rates now have been low. People suddenly think like things are cheap like buying cars, buying houses, and they don't understand that uh, as soon as the economy recover, would you be able to afford that lifestyle if interest rates rise by 3% in three years time? So that's something that you need to consider and make sure that you do understand what you're putting yourself into before you try to please people who are not even gonna help you to pay all these things that you buy with the money that you don't even have. So also just to backtrack on the black tax, I think it helps when you make your parents aware of your expenses. So that will help them to be able to manage the expectations. As much as we are part of the sandwich generations where you have to help your parents as well as help those who are coming after you, like your siblings or your kids, if you have kids, uh, you need to make everyone aware so that it helps with managing expectations. And uh, also wanted to add a part of savings. Guys, savings are important. Like, I think it's, it needs to be something that you make sure that it becomes a habit. Like as soon as you get paid, you get you pay yourself first before you even look at your salary. So that makes you learn like to live on less. So like if you get paid 10,000, for example, and you save 2,000, in your mind, that's all you get, you, you get 8,000. You don't even think about that 2,000 that you've been saving because you're always used to having less money. So even when you get promotions, you get increases, you make sure that you increase your savings space first. So like when times like these, like no one can plan for COVID. So when th things like these, you know that I uh, know, like I will be a bit secured, even though like I will, I will be afforded an opportunity to look for something else while I'm um, say I got a salary card or I lost my job. So that sort of puts you at, a, at an ease. So yeah, like that's uh, my two cents, man. I just wanted to add that. And that's it. Thanks, Tawa. Um, lastly, Daniel. Um, obviously, you haven't heard your view so far with the issue of black tax, career management when it comes to money. And most importantly, I don't know if you're the first generation or second or so forth. Um, what's your take so far, just as we wrap this part of the discussion? So I think from, from my point of view, I'd like to start on the black tax. Uh, train. So basically, when I was 
like still in varsity, my sister really started working. So what happened was like her husband was already well off because there's a bit of an age gap that, that they have. So he was uh, able to buy her a car. And then when she started working, she managed to buy herself a car. And then they actually passed over that car to myself. So it actually helped me with in terms of uh, traveling from home to 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 school because I my mom could not afford for me to go stay at race. Uh, so I think that there's like a, some sort of like, not so, I would not say social family responsibility, family responsibility as, as per se, but I think I would like to put it in a sense of the ones that are older must look out for the ones that are younger in a sense of a family tree type of vibe in terms of cousins that are struggling to, especially with university stuff uh, in terms of any sense that you can help them with, uh, could actually help them. Um, uh, but jumping on to the relationship with money, that's just a, that's a totally different one. So I remember when I first bought my my car, right? So like I said, my sister actually bought me her car to use for a while. But now the problem came in with regards to the fact that she was controlling my movements with the car. So I could not go wherever I wanted to go. So I think that, that was that was some some type of social pressure because obviously. People are posting, I'm at Rokomamas, I'm at where, where. So you want to go there. Now, I, I can't go there. I can afford to go there because I'm not paying for the car, first of all. I have the I have the spare money. So I can afford to go there, but I can't go there. So now I'm like, okay, let me just buy myself a car. And and I think it, it overwhelmed my budget so bad to an extent because first things first, when you first when you go buy a car, right, there's, there's so many things that, like the, the the salesman will not tell you up until you actually get the car, right? Because first things first, you buy a car, they show they show you the retail amount. Like, no, okay, I can afford this car because you check the um the, the the estimated monthly repayment. Like, I can afford to pay this car. And when you go and you say, okay, I actually want this car, they tell you we're gonna add the tracker, we're gonna add the the service plan, we're gonna add one to. Now all of a sudden that that retail jumps up fifty thousand. And you already dealt with it, it was like in your heart, like I want this car. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll take the car. After that, you still have to go pay insurance for that car. You still have to go pay petrol for that car. So now like your budget is literally junk, went down. And now everything is, is your life has changed now because now you don't have the spare money that you had before going in. So I think that for me was a great lesson. And I think after that, I started having a better relationship with my money. I started investing my money. I mean, um, and I think for me to get out of that down trail where I was, I was like down and out, uh, I created another death, opened a credit card, but it actually helped me in a sense. But I think when I opened that credit card, I was actually smart about it. I did not go the same route as my friends because I actually learned through my friends as well. So he had a credit card, um, for like 50, 60,000, and then he maxed it out, right? And now he's still currently paying for that credit card and doesn't have a car anymore. So when I went into the credit card, I just had like a, a 10,000 um, credit because I, I wanted it to be 10,000. I qualified for more, but I was like, keep it on 10,000. So I was actually using my credit card to actually get out of this nonsense that I actually put myself in. And then now I actually closed the credit card. I was able to pay off my NSPAS loan and I think I have a better relationship with, with money and I think I'm getting into property now and I have had enough savings to actually put down a down payment. So it's actually, so I think you, if you've not been in a 
place where you actually learned a lesson, rather use people around you as your lessons towards your financial uh, relationship. Because some of your friends, them buying cars, them buying golf sevens, them buying whatever, whatever, they will tell you their, 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 their sad stories and be like, okay, you know, dude, I'm paying 12,000 for this car. I, I can't afford it. And I can't afford to sell it because I need a car. And I can't afford to sell it because my social status is going to drop down and I'm going to be going from Golf 7 to Apollo. So I think we must just use what we have as lessons to have a proper relationship with money. I think for me, that's, that's, that taught me a major, major lesson because I'm, I'm working towards paying the car off and keeping it for quite some time because I'm now jumping into another date of property and I want to close that off as well. So I think it's, you must be able to, to, to make movements that will not financially strangle you in the, in the long term because you make uh, decisions now that the interest rates, like uh, Taban mentioned, the interest rate is low. People are starting to buy cars and houses. So I think you must be able to have a, a long term plan instead of a short term impulsive buy plan. Thanks, Daniel. Um, I think we can at least move to more broader discussions about this issue of money. I mean, one of the dis- uh, one of my mentors uh, once told me about what he did when he was my age. Um, he used to work for an insurance company, but as a salesman. Um, but then he obviously moved to more of the banking side, and he he was trying to get a promotion. Um, so he worked his ass off probably like three months straight. He was recording what he was doing, how many sales he made, um, how how productive he was with it every day for three months. Um, then his boss obviously recognized how productive he was and was like, hey, I want to give you a, a raise or a promotion. Um, and then what he did, he made a, like a presentation to his boss about how he measured each hour how productive he was for his and he works five days a week. So he was able to track how productive he is each, he is each week. And then quantify that to rent value. Um, and then he says that, look, instead of you giving me an increase, uh, I've calculated that the way I'm productive within three, within three, you know, in a week period of productivity, five days, I can basically do all that work within three days, which equates to the rent value that you pay me right now. So instead of you giving me an increase in salary, what I'm gonna suggest is that you give me, you you pay me, I work for three days, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because that is the quanti- what I've quali- quantified as my rent value for what I'm earning right now. I maintain that rent value, but I only work for those three days because that's the rent value I'm actually contributing to this business. And then the rest of the two days, I can pursue my own personal capacity and a second income. And that was something he did. His boss agreed, and that's what he did. And then he works three days a week, and two of the other two days he's doing his own side hustles and so forth. So, I mean, there are ways I think some of us can navigate this whole thing. Um, but in terms of money, because Daniel mentioned something about status, and that is obviously an important aspect when it comes to money, especially young, among young Black people. Um, obviously, Spiwa has just joined us, and maybe I can start the conversation with her. Um, obviously, first of all, uh, before you speak, obviously just introduce yourself because you just joined um, your name, uh, what you do, and where you're based. Um, but my question to you, when it comes to money, um, is, is it fair enough to say that money buys you respect as a young person? Because obviously money is a relevant issue when it comes to 
the way people perceive you, even the kind of friends you can attract, even relationships. And I'm, I'm going to move the discussion to that aspect. Does money earn your respect and also improve your circle around you in terms of your status? What's your take on that issue? Um, hi, guys. Um, my name is Piwe. Um, yeah, I've been invited by Mr. Manda. And yeah, great conversation before I answer your question. Like, wow, I'm having <clears throat> such uh, an introspective moment right now because I, you know, sometimes when things are not spoken about, you feel like you are the only one going through it and you carry the shame and you like, people won't understand or, you know, you're trying to keep it to your own um, secret corner there. But when people talk, you're like, oh, I'm not the only one, you know, and I'm having so many epiphanies right now to say, wow, okay, maybe I can endorse that. Maybe I can use that and you could try that. So thank you guys for opening up a lot. It, it's really helping. Um, yeah, um, especially as a black, black young adult who's adulting. <laughs> so yeah, thank you guys. Um, on my side to what you're asking, it's a definite with caps and exclamation marks, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I can overemphasize that because we've seen and that's why we aspire to have money because money buys you status money buys you recognition money buys you friends money buys you so many things that um when you have it you become a magnet you know and that's why we follow suit and we pursue all these things because of what money brings. So as a young person, yes, money does buy you respect. And we see some people, especially celebrities of our age, who when you listen to some of the things they say, you can see that there's actually a whole shit of nothing between their ears, you know, but because of their social status quo and because of their status and financially, people still respect them. They follow them, you know, and stuff like that. And when we reduce it to one thing, it is money, you know? So to answer you, yes, money does buy respect. Um, maybe to bring it a little bit more home, is when you look at you know, um, because you have money, you know, you now have a voice because you've got money. Um, you can have a say in the house, what can be bought, what cannot be bought, and all of those things. But you look at your uncle who does not work, you know, um, he gets to tolerate and get everything that is there because he doesn't have any money, even though he's older and stuff like that, but he doesn't have much of a say because of money. So, yeah, to bring it a little bit back home, money does buy you respect. And you see even kids, when you're home, they run to you, you know, but long as you know, they shun from, you know, and stuff like that. So even with the little ones, it's like a mindset thing that, you know, so you get, you get, you get to be acclimatized to such um, environments and some people experience hostility in, 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 in reverse, you know. So, yeah. Thank you, Spear, for that. Um, maybe, maybe also ask Cassius. Um, I know Daniel's raised his hand. Maybe start with Cassius and I'll go to Daniel. Uh, Cassius, obviously, as we've heard the question about money when it comes to status, the question comes in about social media. And, you know, in South Africa, we talk about racism, we talk about sexism, 
and all other isms, but we never talk about classism. And you look at, for example, apps like um, Instagram, for example, um, there is a trend whereby by the mere ability of you appearing to have money or living a good life, um, that gives you more followers. It deems you as someone who's worthwhile, a good contributor to society. Do you think in that sense, social media then is a negative contribution to a society because it deems this importance of young people having income and being wealthy or perceived to be financially sound when they're not? What is your take on that? No, actually, Peter, you are right. Um, I would like to tell you if you, it does. It does, you know. I think there's this persuader behavior. Um, when the people, they see you from the social media, and they see you as this kind of a person who has a lot of money. And unfortunately, some of the, some of our peers, they actually fall for that because I'll make a practical example of me. Um, there was a stage where I was not working, as I've said before. Um, I'll post a peak. No one will likes it. I'll get 10 likes on Facebook and what, what. Then um, I started to work and I did not even say, ah, I'm not working, but I'll just post a peak. Random, just a random peak. I'll get 100 likes. So, and inboxes for that matter. I'll also get inboxes for that matter. What are you doing? Where are you? You know, those type of things. So I think it, it does play an impact. That's why most of the people, they, they seek some, some kind of validation to say, okay, I've made it. I have to be on Facebook. I have to be on, on Instagram so that people can actually see me. But, but there is a certain percentage of people who go up having things. Uh, most of the people who go up having things, they don't actually... Uh, they are not. Some of them they are not there because they've been having things. Some of us we did not have things. So when we started to have this and that, now you have to show the world that I'm having this and that. It, it also go into the spending patterns because now you have this, you will then buy. You seek a certain car that will actually um, gain you the status in the society to say now I've made it. There are also people who are actually. I'll say they're forging. They are not there, but they're trying to be there. You know to just. Just to show the society, I've seen a lot of things in my life that, like, wow, like, wow, like, some of the people, they don't afford things, but for the sake of relevancy, they, they go for such things, then ultimately, they end up being in debt, but for the social media, obviously, um, I have to have this type of a car so that I can post it on you know, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp so that people can actually see me, so it does play an, a certain role um, to okay. that, so I, I do agree with you. Uh, Daniel Denobutle, um, obviously it's the same topic, same question, um, chipping freely. Yeah, so I think there is a bit of a, of a, like a broken line between uh, the way we live and our like uh, bank statements. I think we must try, there's no formula to say that we can give anybody because we have different uh, things that we, we want in our lives and all that. So we can't say, this is how I handle my money. You should handle your money the same way. But what I can tell you is that as a person, you must fall in love and have a personal relationship with your bank statement. Whenever you buy that 15 rand airtime, there's already that one, one rand 50 that the bank charges you that you don't check. And I think I remember I was, uh, me and my friend last year while we were still staying together, we went out and then obviously you swipe when you're, at, when you're in the club, you swipe, right? And the following day, you you check. Obviously, you get SMSs about about what you what you bought in the club. And then you, you check. You're like, 
I can't believe I just spent 1,200 in one night. But when you were swiping, you did not, because you get to the, to the, to the <laughs> where you guys are. So you, so you get there to the counter and you're like, okay, how much is 12 of this? And they tell you, no, it's just one, uh, 200 rands. So like, okay, no, it's not much. But how many 200 rands are you going to be swiping for that night that you were there? Because at the end of the day, you don't just go alone in the club. You go with friends. They come with their other friends. And then it's all about, hey, dude, this month, I don't have enough money. Can you just sort me out? That's where the real bill literally grows to like 1,000 in just one night. And you literally just screwed up your entire budget for the month. But if you have your, a personal relationship with your finances, you sit down every single probably once a week with your finances and check how much you've spent. Simple things as Mr. D will actually kill your budget. So I think must, that my advice to everybody in terms of finances, have a personal relationship with your bank statement because that reveals your true self because your bank statement tells you that you just bought uh, 250 Rand uh, on take a lot or whatever because it literally has every single thing. You can't hide it. Tells you what it is, so I think that's my advice to everybody. Have a personal relationship with your bank statement. Okay, no bootle. Um, I own like personally each time I use my bank account um, to purchase something, I have this dislike for receiving SMSs. Like I literally avoid opening them because I don't want to see my balance again. It's yeah. a painful thing to do. Uh, but no bootle. Um, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest, right? I, I don't think um, females are, are as honest as they should be when it comes to this. But um, when it comes to respect and money, I don't think we we feel the backlash the way guys do. <laughs> um, there is sort of um, some way, somehow we kind of feel it. I mean, I, I would say business-wise, yes. Um in, in the line of business that I'm in, people take you a lot more seriously when you drive something nicer and you dress a lot more. Um, you, you know, if, if you look the part, people think you know what you're doing, right? Um, but on a social level, I don't think women, look, I know that women will have 150 rands in their accounts and they, they'll be living large, like they've got tons of money. <laughs> Um, so there's there's quite a bit of a difference between yes when you're hustling when you're out there the type of people you wine and dine and you entertain um, um, the, the, you need some sort of a bank balance um, but even in business I mean if you I'm sorry for saying this I know this shouldn't be how it goes but this is true I've seen it in business that the more of a pretty face you have um, you'll have people open doors for you just so that they can look at you um, so in, in reality, women don't face um, the same backlash in, in terms of status the way men would. Um, so in, in a social stage, you've got people whining and dining you. Um, in, in a business stage, you've got people that say, ah, oh, she looks good, you know, um, let me just go and, and have, you'll have clients that actually, you know what, the, you know, when you, when you ask, um, CEO, whatever, whatever, when you're a guy, I've seen this with my business partners because I'm the only female. Um, when they go and dine clients, um, they would pay the bill, right? So my business partners will pay the bill. But if it's me, um, I'd actually have the client pay the bill. So 
then you you it's it's a lot it's a lot less to be honest with us we don't feel even in dating as well i mean you said we're going there but a lot of the time we don't feel the backlash the way men do yes there is here and there where um you'll only dine with a certain level of females um once you've reached a certain mark but you don't really feel the pressure the way guys would okay well that's a different take out and expect um i obviously best of all um i want to see what exactly you haven't spoke for a while and maybe this is not a space of activism but in the space of money and obviously status um dating and so forth um even marriage and so forth because obviously for example if you want to get married the issue of lobola comes into play and that is also a financial burden on some people in some cases may not um what's your take on that so far in terms of money when it comes to status um relationships uh, in that sense Yeah I agree with Kashias and Nobuhle. I think uh, their sentiments are on the same line. Kashias when he was not working he got her 10 10 likes. And Nobuhle is <laughs> she is actually agreeing to that. That chief congratulations on 100 likes now. Uh <laughs> Yeah it's very sad. Uh, the way the way things are revolves uh, around money. Uh, peter it's 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 very sad and if you are not rooted as a person then you are in a serious trouble because if you don't have money there are certain people people will categorize you you understand if you are poor uh, uh, people don't want to associate themselves with you because you can't uh, you don't you don't you don't buy nikes or these labels and everything that is set reality and coming to relationships it's very sad and i i i i i like nobuchi what she said to be very frank that many backlash is not faced by by ladies but us as as men uh Uh, but you know i like the way you flow these topics i've been listening and i must say also i'm learning it's a learning process uh, hearing the views and everything from 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 our friends here to say covid-19 uh, i'm not going back but i'm saying what i've learned is that covid-19 that we are uh, we are in debt those are turbulences of life the turbulences and each and in those turbulences there must be something that we are learning from those turbulences uh, uh that's what i have learned so far and in terms of marriage and relationships us have to we have to pay lobola and everything we need to communicate like my colleague once said if you cannot afford this you have to tell your parents to say mama daddy i love to do this but not at this point in time and even in relationship lelo if you are my fiance or my girlfriend i'm just making an example my sister uh, if i cannot afford one two three i have to explain to you you have to 
understand and we have to be transparent if we have to take this relationship that far to marriage and everything. Because other guys, let us be honest, will say you don't have money, this and that and that, but you are spending this money elsewhere. But in relationship, like what Bright Manza said about have a personal relationship with your bank statement, we need to be very frank and be transparent to say, I earn this much, I have this, uh, this expenditure, and so forth and so forth. So one will understand, even when she goes home to advocate for you, when that time to pay Lobola, she knows really to say, my boyfriend can uh, afford this much. You understand? It is expected from you ladies also. When I come to take this relationship to that step, you need to advocate for me at your personal space with your family. I cannot come then they demand uh, uh, 500,000. Oh, one now. Yeah? So you have to sit down with them. This guy is a social worker, the most underpaid profession ever. You understand? Uh, yeah. Then when I come there, I think we need to communicate these things, Peter. Uh, and like, as I said in the previous discussions, pre-marriage counseling is very important. If you're asking me about Lobola and everything, it's very important. Deal with these underlying issues. You understand? Money on its own can be underlying issue. You understand? So that you see me here, like many of you didn't know that I'm indebted because I'm still building a house and so forth. You see me on social media, then you say, hey, this guy got money and so forth. You come in, you inbox me like cashiers. Uh, we are in a relationship. You find out that uh, this man is broke. You understand? Then we start to fight. Yeah. Let me pause there, uh, 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 Peter. I see everyone is laughing. Maybe I don't make sense. <laughs> What a dramatic ending. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, Lelo, uh, so far, obviously, the discussion has shifted to issues of status and in terms of status in context of relationships and also when it comes to friendships. What is your experience in that regard? I mean, obviously, there's been the point raised that obviously men and women experience the issue of status differently. But I obviously want to see you as a woman, or exactly how, what is your experience? Because obviously it may differ from other people's as well. Uh, so I completely agree with what Nobusha said. <clears throat> we are not under as much pressure as men are to provide financially. Um, that's just what it is, like men pay the ball. <laughs> and, you know, it's expected for them to do, to do so. And I think society is more understanding when it comes to women. Um, but so for me personally, that has never been the case. I don't expect my my boyfriend to have everything. That's just not where I am. I, I do know that societal standards and expectations. That's just what they dictate. And it, it, when it comes to many expectations, it does play a huge role in where you are placed. Um, and I think even for for women, it comes to this because 
have the people who drive big fancy cars and we have the people who dress nicely and sign clothing and all of that. Um, and to go back to what Bethel was saying um, with regards to, well, not Bethel, I think it was Cassius with likes and followers and so on and so forth on, on social media. If you follow um, or if you see the likes of your challenge and the likes of, you know, I can't think of it from the top of my head, but people who have the most following are people who receive some form of financial stability and um, earn a lot of money, you have a lot of money, not necessarily earning. Um, <laughs> so it, it does play a huge role in where we place you um, in society male and female. Um, yeah, those are my two things. Oh, I do have a question for Daniel. Just before we continue, I just want to ask Daniel. I'm kidding. <laughs> you have a question for him? Um, okay. Um, do you have a question or you don't have a question? I, I won't ask it here. I'll text... I'll use our, our chat functionality. Safe space, guys. Ask a yeah. question. Safe space. Now, if it's offering boxes, they'll be reading themselves here. Safe space, safe space. You can, you can pop the question if you if you like. I was just Sophie. kidding with the, with the no comment or relationship, guys. I was just... <laughs> uh, well, if you say so, okay. Uh, but... I know Nobutle and um, I know Brian hasn't spoken in a while as well as Tabang. Uh, let's start with Brian, obviously. You live with your fiancé. Finances, obviously. I don't know how you divide income or bills and so forth. Um, obviously, you know, I always see this thing about, you know, on social media not long ago, there was the term brand alignment, um, where it speaks about, you know, the kind of people you attract as friends or people that, you know, let's say you go out. You don't want to go out to certain t- type of people because maybe you think this person is too it doesn't fit my image. You know, I'm 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 a working class person, and you want to take your unemployed friend to I don't know to Rock Mamas and he's wearing I'm a, I'm a, some old shirts or something, or he's dressed up, and you're going to a formal setting, and you know there's that whole issue of plus classism that exists in our society. Now, obviously, Brian, you live in Cape Town, you live with your woman. Uh, I want to understand what exactly is your experience in that regard with um, class and obviously splitting of money when it comes to sharing responsibilities, because that is another dynamic we don't speak about when it comes to relationships. Um, obviously, some people may believe as a man, I am responsible for fin- for the finances. Um, that's my responsibility. In your relationship, how do you manage that as well? Oh, that's going to be a hectic question to answer. But let me see what I can do. Okay. So let's say in terms of two types of relationship. The first one in terms of being your social relationships, right? Um, I'm not prejudiced against like whatever person can afford or what type of person is, right? If you're, um, let's say, not that wealthy or you're wealthy, you're basically the same to me. They're just like based on how I was raised up at home. So basically anyone who I see is basically the same as anyone else. I don't like judge you based on your financial yeah, status or so. So that's the first one in terms of that. Second one, in terms of relationship-wise, like staying with my fiance, I'd say that's more like a type of discussion what you two have to like have as a couple. So, and uh, in terms of what my parents like taught me as well, usually it's supposed to be like a fifty-fifty type of thing, 
But as you said, in terms of like man and woman wise, we usually have this thing of like as the man have to be a provider. Yes and no in a particular way. In terms of like if you're actually talking about finances, you can actually go like, okay, cool. So I earn maybe a bit more than you. As such, let's say I pay about maybe 70% of the bills or whatever, or 60%. Just to show that one, okay, as the man, you're also taking the lead as well, but also try and have that bit of fairness as well. Like she's also contributing to that relationship in terms of, let's say, electricity, food, and so on. So there's just that balance that you kind of have to have, but always have that discussion as well to see what you guys are both comfortable with. Don't always try and like maybe pressurize and say, okay, cool. As the man, I have to do this. You don't do anything like this. Rather just have an open discussion, dialogue, just say like, cool. Uh, I would like to like maybe pay about 60 to 70%. Are you okay with that? If she says, no, maybe pay a bit less, like 55% of the items. Cool. As long as it's part of the agreements. So that's kind of like what we do at our side here. We do split up most of the bill. I'd say like for the car, for instance, I'm paying the finance for the car. She's just paying for the insurance. But I do split like the petrol like 50-50. But it also depends exactly on, like, on that particular time in the month, right? Who has actually a bit more money. If I have a bit more money, I'll pay a bit more in terms of the petrol. If she does, then she'll pay a bit more. So yeah, it's always about a discussion in terms of relationship-wise when it has to do with your partner. Okay, I know Woodley raised her hand. Obviously, I think she wants to chip in well on the topic. Um, but maybe let me also add this question as well to the to the ongoing discussion. Obviously, there's the issue about money and status, and we speak as men that you know there's the discussion about whether as men are we intimidated by successful women or women who are in a particular industry. You know, you see a woman driving a Mercedes Benz, um, and you're walking. Some guys may feel intimidated by that sense. You're an entrepreneur. Um, to some capacity, obviously, there's the issue about do men find you intimidating by the fact that you say you're an entrepreneur? Does it affect your ability to engage in certain relationships in some capacity? Um, it's, it's funny because we had we had this conversation with somebody and they were asking me if, if, if um, I date gold-digging men or if I've ever had an experience like that. And funny enough, I have um, just once <laughs> where um, somebody wanted me to buy them a car, which uh, did, yeah, didn't, <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um, but the reason I raised my hand is that we we often, it is good that you, you have the conversations with the person that you're in a relationship with, but we make the error of discussing now and never the future, right? Um, so you might find that somebody is, is compatible with who you are now, but they're not compatible with where you're going tomorrow or you're not compatible with what they want, right? So you'll find um, you've got a lady who's, who's, who's looking at you and saying, okay, fine. I mean, he, he drives a, a, okay, I hope nobody drives this. He drives a Taz, for example. And now, but I know that maybe he's going to work and maybe drive a Benz tomorrow. And you find that you're a guy who's really comfortable with your tears until you're 50 years old. Um, so you find that you get married and you become, your woman becomes frustrated with you because they anticipated that you would grow in a certain direction, right? Um, so 
visual compatibility is so important um, in that regard, especially when it comes to finances to say, I know for one, I say to my partner all the time, I don't want to be um, average forever, you know? Um, so if we say we're going to be together for as long as we're going to be, if we're building, then let's make sure that we're building in the right, in the same direction. Um, so, you then you've got a person who's who's basically you're able to sit down and say okay fine this is our relationship with money this is who chips and where this is how we're building this is where we're going so men have a have have, have this issue of of saying you want to build on your own and bring on the woman of your desires once you've built <laughs> so you you always make that error because then you meet somebody who's not compatible. And I always say when, when I speak to especially the young guys in my church or the young guys in, in the groups that I go to, that now the issue with that is that if anything were to ever happen to you in the sense that you lose money, in the sense that anything happens to you, then you're stuck with a person who's there because of the money. And then you need to restart over and they leave and you go through depression and all of that. So it's always good to compare or it's always good to say that, okay, this isn't the direction that we're going in. Um, so we as, I mean, I know we as women, look, if you find a guy that's got money, it will be great. You made it, you know. Um, but also as, and I'm going to speak to the ladies as well, it's always good to condition yourself to get into a partnership knowing you're going to build, right? Um, I think we need to do away. I was, I was ranting on Facebook this whole week about black love. And the reason I was ranting about it is that we're at a point, and for me, COVID has, has been a point of, of starting certain things over where we need to start on a level of, of mutual benefit where if you're in a relationship, we're all putting in 100%, right? And, and everybody just benefits at the end of that. So we need to get into a mindset of, of growing each other, not one person puts in and the other takes out because that's what relationships are in present day. And unfortunately, it's the guys that are pouring in and the ladies are just, you know, whooping it up, whooping it up. It's all nice. Um, it's been nice for, for a certain time. But if we're speaking about generational wealth, if we're speaking about growing as, as black people, then the partnerships, even in relationships and the families and the order that we build, we need to start from a point where it's 100 and 100 from all sides. I think that's that's okay. Uh, Bethel, I know you raised your hand. I also maybe get spirit also chip in. Uh, then we go to the last topic. Then we can probably wrap it up after that. Bethel, I know you raised your hand. Bethel, sure, Peter. I'm here. I just want to be very very brief. I just want to chip in and very be very brief, especially to the gentlemen. Uh, I just want to give you an advice. When we talk about money and everything, we need to start to have a checklist as gentlemen. When you go to these ladies and approach them and fell in love with them, you need to have a checklist because these ladies, together with their families, they do have a checklist. Let me very quick, be quick on the checklist. Ladies nowadays, when you go to their families asking for Lobola Peter, 
sending your uncles. After your uncles' negotiations, they sit with these ladies with a checklist to say, who is this petrol? Is he driving? What kind of a job he's doing? He is educated. So he will answer, she will answer. No, he's not, he does not have a car. He has a car, he's educated. That's what they do to see that we give away our daughter to a stable man or who, yeah, they set up a checklist. So we must do the same, guys. You must not take just a lady who does not have a vision. Nobody, you are attracted by their figures or whatsoever, but hey, many guys, they're in trouble because of that. Every skirt, you are following it. You need to have a checklist. We need to have a checklist, gents. You can't just take just anybody here. And uh, says, let me pause there with her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I see your voice even raised in this particular discussion over this topic. Oh, it's, it's, I see it's very personal. No, I'm getting passionate. Yeah, I'm getting very passionate. But I have to respect you have ladies here. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you, and then we'll close with Daniel on this topic, and then we can go to our very last one. Um, Spiwe, do you have any contributing words on the issue of relationships, money, even not just limited to romantic relationships, even just friends? Because um, obviously certain people, um, they have a fear or have a perception that the kind of people I'm around must be, have an equal amount of finances as I have. You know, there was a whole issue about people going on trips as friends or girls, girl, girlfriend trips or even as guy trips. And if you're, if you are, all of you are not financially in a line, that creates the issue in planning such events. If you want to go to Cape Town as a group of friends, that becomes the issue. And that kind of ostracizes someone who's not financially equal to someone who's less financially stable. Um, but I said a lot. What is your take so far on the discussion, Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> this one hits home, hey? Um... It hits home. I think because of my family background and value, um, black tax for me has been the most realest thing ever, you know? Um, so my relationship with money is not that good, <clears throat> if I should say so myself. And in that case, in every single relationship, I just found myself taking care of people and at most times it was, or it is at my expense, you know? You find that I would go to debt for people. I don't like debt, I don't have personal debt, you know, but I've got debt that I'm carrying for other people, you know, uh, type of thing, because my grandmother has instilled in me that where you can help, you should help, you know? But I've seen how much it has been of a detriment for me or to me, you know, type of thing to a point whereby, um, I suffered clinical depression um, early this year because I couldn't take it anymore, you know. It was just too much, you know, at work, everywhere, you know, and type of thing. And to when it comes to personal relationships, you find that <laughs> um, I'm the type of girl that, um, and it's only in my current relationship, actually, that that norm has changed. You'll find that I'd pay 
you know, for the entire meal and you'd find that you go like for 2000 rand um, on a meal for both of y'all, you know, that includes drinks and stuff like that. Ahoy petrol, I would, if you have any, even if you like saying, you know what, I'm just low on cash and -and so-and-so couldn't help. I just some way somehow in me try to help you know and this doesn't just go to my personal relationships but expands to friends as well into family so you find that um in this regard (laughs) i'm very very not so savvy Uh, but there's been a huge change especially as i've mentioned with my current partner who is very financially savvy and who is who works so hard sometimes i'm like dude just slow down you know and his relationship with money is on steroids and that is teaching me slowly one to say no and not no because um i want to say no but it's because i really need to start thinking for myself and type of thing you know and true it's because i need to build a legacy a wealth an inheritance for those who are coming after me so now i have to start thinking futuristic you know and making sure that i've got um enough one of the good thing though good things that i really pat myself on the shoulder for is that when i started working i had a personal adv- uh, financial advisor and unfortunately she's late now but one thing she told me and she told me never sacrifice on your life insurance and your life savings always pop something there that and your pension fund you don't touch so with that good habit that part I'm really comfortable about and I'm happy about that at my age some people are only starting now to save towards that you know and it's really difficult we know we see our parents we see our aunts who can't retire because they don't have enough to retire for you know stuff like that so to one of our your guests um point is that we really need to have a really good relationship with our finances but black tax and all these other factors status and you know us trying to make it in life and success and how we view things really does impede on some of those things but we just need to keep pushing and keep trying so on my side yeah I I don't think I'm the best person to answer to this question because personally yeah I'm still learning how to have a relationship with my finances and with this whole COVID thing things have been thrown off tangent you know um a lot of things had to be reconsidered, rethought, you know, through and stuff like that. We are more home now than before. You find that there's the need for more food, you know. So our budget has been like really um, changed. Whereby you need, at first you needed to think gas, you needed to think um, pocket money, but now you need to make sure that everybody in the household is is eating. You know, there's enough, you know, type of things. And some people, some of their partners have been let go off at work and stuff like that. And our economy is not that good. So yeah, you really challenge to think more strategically when it comes to your finances and stuff like that. So I'm 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 on a journey. I'm learning. And uh, yeah, some partners are really got sent I guess and to uh, Nobutle's point you know if you and your partner are building towards the same vision and purpose it really kind of defeats the point you know so even financially you guys need to sit and have a financial vision you know whenever I speak with my partner about this to say babes um, this is what I aspire for and you find that our dreams are not far off at all you know and to her point again and just very valid um, to say that 
guys have a tendency of patriarchy and it's inherited. So we don't blame them per se, uh, whereby you want to start building on your own and you bring that lady along. But now times have changed, you know, um, and sometimes you see that because you have more money, you want to call more shots in the house. It doesn't work like that anymore in this day and age. We have uh, girls and women who are very learned, you know, and who are very open-minded, you know, so conversation, you find that actually gets us a long way and gets us better going than dictatorship, you know, and being a domineering being in a relationship. So we're more partners than than anything else, as Manda as well said, to say that sometimes you just need to talk to your partner, babes, I'm running low this month, can you please help me out, you know? There's no shame in that, but it just shows that I count on you more than anything you know i don't have to go to my friends i can count on you and vice versa and that for me makes the bond even more special you know to say oh gosh i have a partner that i can rely on i've got a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend that i can rely on so yeah there's 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 so much that we can learn and change with our generation and i'm glad that these conversations are here to help us trigger that Thank you, thank you. Um, lastly, Daniel, on the topic, then I think we can quickly do the last topic or the question. But Daniel will just close off this part. Yeah, I think Daniel. I'm just going to be very short and... Uh, I'm just going to be very short and brief with what I'm going to say because, I mean, I think Spiwa and uh, Nobusha literally just were on point with what I wanted to say. And I think just wanted to jump onto that. And say, like, as guys, since we're giving advices, as guys, I think... Because of the, the family structure, the man is supposed to be the head of the house and all that. It, it will be very difficult for a woman who's financially like literate to be educating a man who's financially illiterate. But I think for us as men, if we were financially illiterate, it would be much easier for us to pass down the knowledge to our spouses or our partners. So I think for us as men, we have it upon ourselves to educate ourselves about how to manage our finances so that it's going to be much easier to have a proper relationship with a partner. Even if your partner, in terms of her finances, are literally dear magar, they're like, they are nowhere to be seen. Um, it, it would be much easier for a man to actually push down the knowledge to the woman. But if the knowledge has to come from a woman to a man, it's like trying to hammer in a crooked nail. And so it's, it will never go in. We'll just swerve to the side and we'll never stick. So I think it's up to us as men to get, educate ourselves for, for financially uh, uh, becoming free, try to reach financial freedom, if, if that may be. Okay, thanks, Daniel, for that. I think we've all almost reached an, an agreement in the sense of the importance of communicating when it comes to money, whether... It's your family, your friends, or even your romantic relationships. Um, communication and also planning forward is very important. And maybe that brings to the last question about the future. And this is maybe not necessarily a case of whereby we have to discuss, but more, you know, as young people, we've been speaking about what's going on right now financially and what's been happening historically. But as black people, what does our future look like from a sense of, money and you know, financially uh i want to see how everyone perceives where exactly do as black people in this country you know if a young person was listening to this and that person is unemployed 
is or he's been applying jobs and he's stressed out, he's given up, or the way the country is going, COVID-19, blah, 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 and hope is kind of down. You know, each of us here, we're in our different capacities. What is our take on the future, um, especially in context of money? And let me start with Tabang. Um, obviously, you know, you haven't spoken in a while. And then we can just go through everyone, and then from there we can just wrap things up. So, Tabang, um, what's your take on the future so far? Tabang? Uh, I'm assuming is attending to biological I'm assuming it's tend to biological issues with this body in the private room. Um, let's maybe move to Brian, and then you can move from there. With what's your take on the future so far as Black people when it comes to money, young Black people especially. Brian. Okay, so my view on that, I have met like some Black people who are a bit money savvy, so they do actually like invest their money in certain things and actually wait for it to grow before using it. But I've also met Black people who are not money savvy at all. So I can say like there's a 50% chance or 50-50 type of balance between how this might actually go. I have like one friend who I know from my old university who's particularly not money savvy as such. Just to give a bit of scenario, so this one time she actually got like fired, right? So she was basically looking for a job. But rather than like saving up on that money, what she has in order to wait out whatever period she's going to wait for before she finds the next job, she decided that for every interview she's going to be going for, she has to buy a new outfit for it, which is expensive. Plus also, if you think about it, you're like, dude, you currently don't have any source of income. That doesn't make sense. So that was not being money savvy at all. Even though if you told like, that doesn't make sense, you'd be like, no, but I have to look presentable and whatever to the people. Like, uh, you don't really need to do that. But again, as I said, there's also people who I know who are actually really money savvy in terms of like two of my other friends. So basically the same age group as me in the twenties as well, and they have property. So they actually invested, managed to buy property. And now obviously are reaping the benefits from that showing that we actually do have a way of actually becoming more money savvy, but it just depends on our mindset. Like how do we actually change our perception in terms of what we want to do with the money itself? Or are we able to actually be patient enough to actually wait for the money to grow to a point where we can say, okay, cool. Now I can actually take it out, but not all of it. Just take out maybe a certain portion, leave the rest to still mature, or maybe add a bit more extra. So that's my view on that. Okay, thanks, Brian. Um... Let's have Brett uh, Wall, and then I'll move to someone else. Um, what's your take on the future for young Black people from economic sense? Um, is the future looking bright? Our current habits reflecting where we're going to be projecting? Do you see Black people growing financially? You know, you know. I always, when I started working, there was the pressure of, you know, moving to the big city. Um, the pressure when someone tells you where do you live, you know, you want to say I live in the north, I live in four ways, uh, in Bryanston, Santon, and you'd find people who even have financial pressure of moving into high costly spaces, living a high costly life, purely out of feeling like you're inclusive in an environment that is already 
financially burdened because you want to feel part of a society that's already in this habit of spending money. But as black people in the future, where do you see us standing financially? Are we on the right course or has COVID-19 ruined the whole thing? Are we going to be another African country that's just going through financial problems, uh, wars and all those stuff? Where, what's your take as an activist? Where are we going as black people? Uh, Peter, I think the future is bright, especially looking at the August panel that we have, mixture of different professionals or disciplines and ladies and gents. Uh, having listened to their views, it shows that the future is very bright. Uh, uh, you know, if we can stop competing to one another uh, in our relationships and everything, because now there are a lot of issues in terms of relationships. Patriarchy, my sister spoke about that. There is too much patriarchy that we perpetuate. Uh, these are the root causes of what we see in the public domain whereby men kills women and, and children, you understand, uh, it revolves that when you go deeper and do, uh, we call a family tree, because sometimes when Betuel kills kill, uh, uh, Palisa, we don't look at that. You have to go through, and when you see the family tree, some of the topics that we spoke about, money, patriarchy, and everything, those are the root causes of everything. So I'm saying the future is bright when we're able to sit down as young people, black, different disciplines, women and men, and speak frankly to one another then the future is very bright. We can see where the problems comes in. We can sponsor our, as ourselves with ideas moving forward. So my last view, Peter, is that let's continue to be very frank and stop this unhealthy competition. Men and women, you understand? If I'm weak, I'm able to go to my sister. My simply spoke so beautifully about that to say, my girlfriend, I don't have this i cannot afford this and when women earns more than us it must not make us feel weak or so forth we must take that as a good opportunity to build our home together because it means that income comes in into our family so that we can afford one two three four five let's stop this thing of competition and perpetuating matraki. Ladies, yes, patraki is there, but matraki cannot give us justice as well. Because what we see is that many women who are saying they are feminists and everything, they want to replace patraki with matraki. Both of them, they cannot do justice to all of us as black people, as Africans. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Pepper. Um, I know I'd asked you earlier, I don't know if you had disappeared for a few minutes, um, but since you're back, I don't know if you heard the question about um, the future. Um, are you aware of the discussion so far? 
um, the issue was the question or the last topic was about where do you see us as black people in the future when it comes to money? Uh, are we on the right course? Uh, are we on the wrong course? Is things doom and boom for us? What's your take so far? Uh, thanks, Peter. Uh, I don't know, man. I think there's a, we still have a lot of issues that we have to deal with, uh, especially as black men. Like, uh, we still have to deal with our demons before we get to looking towards uh, an optimistic future. Like, GBV, GB, gender-based violence for one, like, it's something that we have to, like, stand up and deal with it because uh, one thing that I thought of, like, since I started working, all the women who were my managers, they were brilliant at their jobs and all of them happen to be black. So now if we as men continue killing them because of our insecurities, abusing them and stuff, like we are limiting the potential that we can get to experience in this country as a whole. So if we are able to deal with that, that's one of the things that we need to focus on. And uh, besides that, in terms of financial matters, we need to get over this Awantuwazutini syndrome. Like, stay in your financial lane. Like, learn to have a healthy relationship with money. Uh, even when you date, like, try to be as open as possible. And if you happen to find, like, a partner, like a woman who earns more than you, like, you should learn to see that as a, like, a motivation, you know, like, okay, probably she knows things that I do not know. It is a greater learning opportunity for me. So let me stay, let me see what I can learn from stuff. Instead of being, oh, man, I must start, I don't know, sort of getting back your power by cheating or abusing her. Like that doesn't work like that. Like, so I think it comes down to the point of having to deal with those uncomfortable truths about yourself that you don't want to deal with. And uh, in generally, like, yeah, I think there is uh, a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think the future, it is quite bright, considering that you are open to dealing with all the good and the bad, like learning as you go, man. Like, uh, I think there is a potential for everything to be great. Like, not to sound too optimistic, but uh, yeah, I think the future, it is quite bright. Just don't run away from your bullshit, if I can put it that way. Um, Lelo, what is your take? Um, is the future looking great? Are we the next America or are we the next Uganda and some country that may be also financially not in the same sense as Western Africa is? Or what is your take financially? Where do we look as black people in the future? If you had a child, what would you tell them? You know, is the future looking good, bad? Or do you just have to paint or pretend like things are going to look good? <laughs> Well, we could do that. Or oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think the future looks quite bright for for the black youth of South Africa financially. I mean, for the mere fact that we're able to have this conversation today, talking openly about finances and money, um, is a huge stride compared to our parents and grandparents. I think finances and salaries and how much you earn and what you do with it and how you spend it has always been a secret. And your cards close to your chest. Whereas today, um, I remember we had a conversation with Daniel um, at the office along with another friend of ours. And he was showing us um, tricks on Excel on how to calculate this and you'll be able to pay off debt if you if you put this and this together. And, you know, he was showing us those types of things. And um, he was able to do that because we were open and honest about 
the debt that we have and how fast and how soon we want to pay it off. And I think it's through these conversations, open and honest, that we will be able to progress as a country, not even as a country, as young black professionals um, um, in South Africa. I think we also need to normalize this and, and make this just a way of living. So continue having these conversations, not only with our peers and colleagues, but with our children and children's children as well. Um, I know that that's not a conversation um, I had with my parents, but it's one that I want to have with my kids. We need to normalize speaking money and finances. They need to know that, listen, this is how, this is my tax bracket. I cannot afford <laughs> that toy. Um, or this is how much you make and this is how much that needs to go into savings. This is what assets are. This is what stocks are. Um, and this is how you grow your money. Because I think um, previously or now we are taught to save, but we are not taught how to make money or passive income. We're not taught how to make a passive income. And we're not taught how you can multiply the money that you have. So it's basically just take what you have and put it, put it somewhere until you need it. But the, the conversation needs to progress. It needs to be, how can I turn 10 Rand into 12 Rand? Um, but yeah, I, I, I see it's not all doom and gloom. I think um, the future looks quite bright just based on the fact that we are able to have these conversations and share knowledge. There are so many people you can follow um, online. Um, people who are very well versed when it comes to money. Um, and since it's, I don't know. It, it, you know what they say about the power of attraction? It's what you're interested in that sort of gravitates towards you. I think I may be in that real at the realm at the moment. Um, so a lot of times posts that I come across on Twitter or Facebook of people who are either giving advice, seeking advice, or talking about finances and investments and all of that, all of that jazz. So yeah, I mean, the power's in our hands. There's nothing that can stop us. We've got information at our fingertips. Your cell phone, there's so much you can get from a Google search. So yeah, that's that's my take on where South Africa is going with black people. Um, Thank you, Lelo. Um, Cassius, um, you know, as Lelo was speaking, I was thinking about how when I was in high school, my parents used to always refuse to buy me a phone and I never understood because maybe like a month later, they'd buy a brand new TV and I'd be like, ah, you know, these people are lying. These people, are, you know, and I realized that black, our previous generation of parents didn't really, were not really transparent when it came to money. And, you know, when I saw my parents buying a TV, but they refused to buy me a phone, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe they have money that they don't want to share with me as their child. But then I actually realized that in some capacity, there's debt involved and parents don't even talk about that. They don't tell you, look, I can't afford this. Sometimes as a child, I just thought maybe my parents just don't want to spoil me. They don't want to treat me like other kids. But then you, as you grow up, you start to realize the importance of having certain discussions. Uh, but Cassius, what is your take on the future? I know recently you talked about, you know, uh, we always speak about are the programs enough, are the programs that are existing in our society promoting for a bright future? I know you spoke about the NYDA and you had like a serious take on that whole department about how it's not really empowering young people. But what does what is your take on the future? No, the future, when I keep speaking to you, I think for now it's a bit too mature to say um, the future looks bright. Um, for now, it doesn't, it doesn't look quite because most of the most of the youth of which 
that the future of this country is still very much indebted and um, the trend is still continuing. You know, I, I know here we, we might be 12 or so, but there are our fellows out there who are still continuing with that type of behavior, impasse buying and, um, and type of thing. For, for existence, like now, we have this, there's this glorified in this country, um, this narcissistic charlatan by the name of Fusi Tembakayo. Most of the people, for instance, they will follow Fusi, forgetting that he will say, okay, Fusi will say to the people that now, I have started my poultry business using a feather. <laughs> so most of the people will go and <laughs> they will go and make loans so that they can be like Vosi Tembakayo. So that type of behavior is not gonna end, but for now, like I said, um, I remain very much optimistic, but the future doesn't look quite for now because uh, our spending patterns, even if maybe we can actually um, invite literature to assist us, you'll see that most of the people that are still in debt, particularly youth, because of maybe of the um, general generational type of things. But yeah, for now, it's, 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 it's a bit premature to say that. And again, because of the COVID, it's going to take us some time. Like I said, just before, just before COVID, we're already in a recession. And now, if the government is going to continue to close the operations of the businesses and economy, it's going to, it simply means that we're going to be in depression. And I think most of us, we, we listened to the Minister of uh, Treasury not so long ago. Um, he had a midterm um, review type of a thing, and he, he, he did indicate that. So very much, I'll still say we are kind of like entangled. Yeah, we, we are very much <laughs> entangled in, in, in depth. So, honestly speaking, the future for now, it doesn't look bright. But in, in our midst, we do have the people, we have knowledge and education, but um, for now, we are not there yet. Yeah. It's a bit mature to say maybe future it looks bright for now, but maybe we might be in the right direction. That, let me just put it in that way. We are in the right direction, but okay. we are not there. Okay, thanks, Cassius. Um, at least you've brought a different view, at least. Uh, I was hoping we are going to have it on a positive note, but obviously we have to also be all honest about our realities as well. Um, so I do thank you for at least also giving, bringing that other aspect as well. So at least we have a full picture of what's going on. Um, Nobutle, um, let's just run through everyone else. Um, but Nobutle, um, obviously, what is your take on the future? I mean, Kasha spoke about some of the people that we look up to on social media and Fusi Tembakwayo, you know, I, I don't even, I don't want to speak bad of him, although I have people I know who worked for him who have a very negative view of him. Uh, but there is people on social media, especially with the rise of people who are forex traders. You know, you see people um, presenting a, a high thing of like, I, I used to eat bread for two years and nothing else. And now I'm a billionaire. You can be like me. Let me teach you. Pay two fifty every month and I'll make you someone as rich as me. And, you know, such figures and people, pastors, uh, such prominent people that wealth. And that's why I spoke about. You know, there's this thing where money somehow brings you status. You know, a pastor who has a big church and dresses up and drives a nice car is deemed to be more leaning to God than a pastor who's poor who preaches under a tree. And I want to see what's your take so far on the issue of our future, adding with the dynamic I just mentioned. 
Um, yeah, your dynamic is quite interesting. But you know what? I, I think um, we need to start by being kinder to ourselves. You know, um, the black race has come such a long way. Um, we're not where we used to be. I think that's point number one. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot um, that still needs work to be done on. But starting from that, we need to be kinder to ourselves. Um, we're seeing so many black kids, black black young people doing such great things. I think for me, one of the most marveling thing right now is even in this pandemic, you see black youth, uh, black young people, black young adults going out there and doing what they need to do to survive. I think that's very commendable. Um, so you can see the fighting spirit when it comes to getting the money, um, you know, the sources of income, we're doing well, we're doing well. Um, there's, a, there's a spirit of hunger in each and every one of us. We just wanna see ourselves progress. So on that point, I think we've, we've sort of caught up in, in the desire to want to be more. Um, what I think we need to work on then is, is the issue of sustainability. You know, um, We need to start looking at how we can create wealth that surpasses us. You know, um, We need to move away from hand-to-mouth techniques. Um, we need to get to a point where, even though it may not happen in our lifetime, but when our kids take the baton, it must be a lot lighter. Um, but I just want to say that we, we've done well. The future is bright. Um, from where we come from, um, we really need to, you know, just take a step back, look at ourselves and just appreciate um, the, the strides and the steps that we've taken as young Black people. We are really doing well. Yes, there's a lot to be done. But for, for me, I think that's where I want us to sit and focus and say, whew, you know, we, we're running with this thing. Yes, we're making mistakes because... Most of us don't even have people to look at at home. Um, you know what I'm saying? So in terms of education, in terms of business success, it starts with us um, and we're moving it on and we're doing quite well, which is something that we need to be proud of. And another thing Sintra spoke about is that speaking about the issue of black men and black women, you know, there's there's no part... Pachaki, Machaki does not work. You know, it's it's a it's about time that we start understanding that it's a collective thing. Um, if we if we are gonna do anything or build anything for the black society, it's black men and black women coming together. You know, we're not against each other. And I think the mentality right now is that, you know, black men win over black women, black women win over black uh, black men. And that's not it, you know. We've suffered the same harshness um, from, from slavery, from, from the past. So we've, we're fighting, we're basically fighting the same battles as a race, so we shouldn't be fighting against each other, you know. Um, so those are the things that I would say need to be fixed. Um, but... We need to work on sustainability and we need to work as, as we need to focus on working as a unit. But more than that, we really are doing well. Thank you. And Daniel, and then we can end with Spirit. Um, our future, good, bad, doomed, heavenly, sad, happy. I think, I think we're in the, the right direction. We're not close, but we are going in the right direction. I mean, to, to point out what uh, Tavang said with regards to Avantu Wazutini, I think that two points to, to bring us to a point where like, most people fear that they need to uplift their social status. And I think that's something that's a bit of an issue. And I, I want to say what, what Cassius was talking I think it was Cassius or Bethel were, were talking about debt. I, th I think 
date is, is technically not a problem because in accounting terms, we they identify debt as good debt and bad debt. So I think as on your own personal capacity, you just need to understand whether the debt that you're getting into is it a good debt or is it a bad debt and look in the long-term run how things going to like benefit you. I mean, if you look at your balance sheet, I mean, if you're losing more than gaining, and I think you you know what's the, the future going to look like in terms of the long term. But I think the main problem is a timeline. Like we 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 try to live up to other people's timelines, right? Identify your own timeline. I never thought these two words would, would go together, but uh, patience and persistence they actually go go well together. Because if you think about it, if you want to have to build a a table, let's say a coffee table. You need to plant the tree, but if you don't water that tree every single day, and you know a tree takes like around about like a few years before it fully grows to a point where you can actually chop it down and make a table. So what you need to do is every single day, persistently, go and water that tree every single day if you have to, and then in the end you have your own um, uh, table that you're going to make. So patience, wait for the tree to fully grow. Don't chop it before it actually reaches maturity. Be persistent in, in terms of what you push forward for the future because you have a long-term plan of what you want to achieve, which is a table. Then you know for a fact that you need to be persistent and you need to be patient up until a point where your stuff comes together. So I think we need to have to be able to understand that timelines are, are not the same for everybody. I mean, for just to, to bring it home, um, when I when I got to university, my, my high school marks were not that good. I mean, uh, and some of my some of my peers, they went into university, they started doing their first year, and they only had like three years and already working. I had four years because uh, my marks were not good, so I had an extended program, so it was four years. And they went on, they started working immediately after the the uh, undergraduate. I went on to do my honors, but I can tell you right now, we we're probably on the same pedestal in terms of finances, in terms of salaries. But I waited my turn. I did not try and rush getting an income or quit school or do uh, listen to these forest guys because I know a lot of people drop out of school to run after these forest people that are selling them dreams. But that's because they're not patient enough to understand that you need to be able to look at the long term. Are you willing to, to forex for the rest of your life? Is that what you want to do? You want to forex for the rest of your life or you want to forex to get uh, a capital and build your, start your own company. So some people, they, must, they need to understand what, what's the, what, what their future plans are and try to stick to them, be patient enough, and also be persistent enough to be able to, to reach that goal. So I, I think that's, that's my uh, conclusion for now. Thanks, Daniel. Um, then lastly, Spiwe, uh, maybe you can have the closing words before I wrap it up. Um, what's your take on the future? Um, the muscle has been saved. What's your take? Yeah, indeed, a muscle <laughs> has been saved. But um, I like the transition from Daniel because he took on some of the words that I just had in mind when you first asked the question. Um, There's so many uh, things that need to be broken. Um, and if you have been mentioned, patriarchy, matriarchy, um, apartheid and to um, Lelo's point as well, we just and, and Nobutu's point, we just need to appreciate where we've come, you know, 
and give ourselves a pat on the shoulder because when we don't celebrate celebrate these small victories, we tend to get tired and fatigued and don't realize that actually we've we've contributed much. Um, um, to some of your guests' point as well, still a long way to go, but um, looking at where we are right now, we're pointing to the right direction. So on my side, one thing that I think we need to break most is this instant gratification. Um, it's just to sum up what Daniel has said, you know, we want things to, want to put things in the microwave, two minute noodles that we eat, we're satisfied, you know, but good meals take time. Nutritious meals take time, you know, to grow. So we need to have, to Daniel's point, that persistency, that, 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 that patience, you know, and we need to engrave it as well in those coming after us because, Spirit. Um, I think you're muted or got disconnected. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it is a question. Um, so just to quickly wrap that wrap that up, I think we just need to engrave it in those coming after us as well to say that um guys have patience, you know, and patience yields great results, you know. We've seen, to Daniel's point, with instant gratifications comes instant sorrow. So if we are patient enough to actually see things mature, come to maturity, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. Um, and my sister, I've seen that with her, my parents, especially my mom, would want to buy everything because they felt bad that they didn't have things. So whenever mama, I want this, mama, I want this, because of the pain that they endured for lacking, they want to, but it's not working. Instead, it's creating a culture and a norm in us, you know, and a pattern that is not supposed to be there. Because I was raised by my grandmother. Ha, they are so this Hashem. Even if my parents would <laughs> come with money and leave, it with her, she'd be like, Uzo, you told like 15, good now. So, such things when you are growing up, you're like, Yes, it's local gangs on the law, you know. But now, as you're older, you kind of get to appreciate it to say, Wow, thank you. You actually taught me great values to say, Some, you know. And, and the nice thing is that she would actually put in more than what my parents had left for me just for the mere fact that I waited. And when I translate that now, I, I can easily let go of 6,000 rand into investment, you know, and I don't earn much, you know, but because the practice has been engraved in me so that I don't get instant gratification, you know, and I've seen that translation, translating even in our relationships, you know, we want our partners to catch up with us or to be knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about this, you know, if they're not, you move on to the next person. No, it's for you to enjoy the fruit of what you want. You need to see and have the patience to Daniel's point to see it grow, plant that seed, nurture it, you know, and this doesn't just go in money. It goes in every single aspect of our lives in our careers and our families, all of those. So yeah, those are my closing remarks. The future is good. And I think if we have these conversations with those coming after us, I just so wish, I, I'm so tempted to share this link with so many youngsters, just to come and hear the wisdom that is in this table. I, I am mesmerized. I am blessed beyond measure. And thank you guys once again. So yeah, thanks, Nanda. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone. I think uh, anyone who says they left today without learning a single thing or hear, understanding how different people think would honestly be lying and I'm not trying to impose a thought but 
honestly, this has been a great discussion. Um, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about different topics from GBV um, to consent to money to career management. We've had lawyers, we've had people, entrepreneurs, we've had people who are starting businesses, people who are working in different fields. And that's the importance of having these kind of discussions because you, you, you extend the issues to people who are different from you and see how how we think. And from what I can see is that amongst us, even though all of us may not be on the perfect track, amongst us, the future does look bright. And I think that's something we must, as Nomutle says, we must actually appreciate that people like us in this group uh, are people who can contribute to a bright future. And we must celebrate that kind of people in our space. Um, I just want to mention some people who have asked to be apologized for not attending um, Asanda, Mongezi, Matlazi, and Nyasha, and Pakiso, and Porsche were supposed to join us today, but uh, some due to load shedding and some due to other commitments couldn't join. Uh, but again, we always have discussions on probably on a weekly basis, so there will be more discussions uh, with other topics. Uh, but thank you for everyone who joined. I don't know if anyone wants to say anything before we leave, uh, but thank you guys. Okay. Um, I think, Precious, did you raise that? Or is that from? Okay. Oh, yes. I, I, um, I think my closing, my closing remarks will be on a COVID. I think, um, I think most of the people, I think now they were taking it, they were not believing it. It's it's happening, you know. I have seen a lot of people like not adhering to um, lockdown regulations. I've seen a lot of people gathering in groups, drinking. I've seen a lot of people playing soccer. So I think my message is quite simple: to say, please let's stay at home and enjoy our beverages. And whenever you get an opportunity when they open, please buy in bulks like me, like so that you can actually stay at home and enjoy and adhere to the lockdown regulations. But um, most of the people, they, they don't actually adhere to lockdown regulations. And when they go to the occupation, they always complain to say, no, we got COVID from, from work. Most of the people, I can tell you, they don't got COVID from work. Some day they gather in their social gatherings, they make house parties, they make price, and that's where they conduct COVID. But, they always complain to the employer to say, no, we always got COVID. So my message is quite simple to say, let's stay at home, enjoy our beverages, and let's try to minimize interaction as much as we can. Be like me, buy in bulks, stay at home, drink alone. Amen. But <laughs> previously, I didn't hear the president talking about condomize, but it's like it's <laughs> another day. <laughs> okay, that's all. Um, yeah, thanks, Cassius. I think I all I think I agree in that sense. Um, let's stay safe. Um, I don't want to have a case where I know someone who's died from COVID nineteen, and I'm lucky in a sense. I don't know anyone personally who's died from COVID nineteen. So I want to maintain that sense. I mean, if you look at some of the videos what's going on in the public hospitals, it's quite concerning, and I don't want to see my parents or anyone I know in that kind of space. Uh, but yeah, thanks, guys, for joining us. Um, we will have more discussions and I will invite you if you are available. Yeah, but thanks, guys, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Cheers, guys. Nice to see everybody. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.